pray together. Lord, we thank you for that truth. You are God with us, and you dwell among us. You've made us a people for yourself. You have paid the penalty for our sin. You've given us your righteousness, so we have a right standing with God. And, and as such, we can now praise you. We can now trust you. We can, we can look to you, and we can do what we're about to do now, which is to look to your word. And, and in it, find truth, and a truth that, for those who believe, gives hope. And so, would you now, Holy Spirit, come, and in our midst, would you work? Would you work through the truth of this Word, and would you bring transformation that our lives might align under your leadership, and that we might reveal even more and more that Christ has come, that Christ has been raised, and that Christ is Lord. He is God with us. We ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I love this time of year. I, I hope that you do, too. It's the time of year when we celebrate the fact that hope has come. And what we celebrate as those who believe is not simply that hope has come. The fact that he has come gives us this great uh, expectation that he's coming again. See, he promised that he would come the first time, and he did. While he was here, he promised he would return, and he will. And, and his timing is perfect. Sometimes I know in our lives, I know in my own life, I, I've often questioned the timing of God. I've often wondered, Lord, where are you? And, and the Lord has never left. He is always there. He's always present. He's always working. And, and what He is doing is, is what is best. And, and we've got to understand that, church. We've got to understand what God is doing is always best because He's the best. He knows what is right. And if we could know what He knew, we would do exactly what He was doing. But we don't. So we have to trust in His timing. We have to trust that He is at work. And we have to have hope. Because here's the thing. If we don't trust God as, as, as our God, we'll create another one. We'll make something else define us. We'll look for something else to give us meaning and purpose and a reason to get up in the morning. And whenever we do that, we create we create something that is not sustainable. We create something that, that cannot care for us, that cannot do for us what only God can do. Our God is a great and mighty God, and we can trust Him in all things, especially in this time. You think about what we're celebrating this season as, we, as we're looking in this, this, this glorious chapter of this prophecy of Zechariah, and we understand that there's been 400 years of silence. You know, there's going to be times in our own lives when, when we're going to wonder, God, have you forgotten me? God, is this, is this, is this over? I, I know uh, some stories this week I heard of, of, of one lady who, who I'm so excited, is getting married. And in and, 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 and the congratulatory uh, interchange, there was a, a statement, a confession that said, you know, almost, she said, I almost didn't think this was going to happen. But God's timing is perfect. I know a lady who, who had a baby just two weeks ago. She's, uh, she's later on in life. There are a lot of questions, physicians encouraged uh, for this not to, to be pursued. And she's holding a baby boy in her arms today. In God's timing. I, I remember when I was 23 years old, I, I began to pray. God, I know you're calling me to be a pastor. I began to pray for the church that I would pastor. And I prayed, and there were different churches that came and different opportunities that were made available to me. But over and over, it was no, not time, no, not time. And then 15 and a half years ago, God brought us together, and here we are. God's perfect timing. Please understand, God's never early, but He's also never late. He's always right on time. And so what we see happening in our text today is that very thing. 
God showed up at just the right time. Jesus took on flesh right when God wanted him to. And John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ, who announced the coming of Messiah, he was born by the parents God had chosen for the, the purpose he had determined by the, the, the people at just the right time. Now, here was Zechariah and Elizabeth, old, old, you know, well on in age, probably had already made peace with the fact that they would probably never have children, and, and, and probably that hurt, but they, they probably came to that conclusion that God showed up. In his perfect timing, he said, now, I, I, I want to use you. I want to bless you. And the one who's going to come uh, from you is going to be the one who prepares the way for the Savior of the world. And so that's what we see in our text this month. As we're, as we're preparing and as we're celebrating the coming of Christ, we're walking through Zechariah's prophecy found in Luke chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to be looking in verses um, 69 and 70. But I'm going to ask Haley Klein to come up, and Haley's going to read for us the entire prophecy. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And Haley's going to read for us now this beautiful prophecy uh, about John um, that, that God gave through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 68. Haley, if you would. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet, from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Haley. Thank you. If you would, go ahead and be seated. What you hear in that prophecy is hope. Hope is a powerful thing. Physicians will tell you hope may be one of the most important things that a person can have in the pursuit of healing. If a person has given up hope that they will be healed, oftentimes they will not give the energy to fight the infection. But a person who has hope will, will have energy. There will be a, a, a resounding strength to fight the infection. That We know that to be true medically. We, we also know that to be true in sports. There can be a team that can be down and can be losing, and if it's given even a glimmer of hope many times, we'll begin to fight back. It happened to me yesterday. I'm coaching a very serious, very serious sports team right now. You guys need to be praying for us now. I'm not kidding. We got the 9 and 10-year-old Kings in the County League basketball, all right? And uh, coaching this team yesterday, and things were going gloriously for us. It was going well. We were up. 24-10, there were less than two minutes left, and so we're trying to get everybody the ball, we're trying to do all the stuff, and they stole it, and they got a couple points, and so it went, you know, from 24-10 to 24-14, and called timeouts, like, guys, we got to still play defense, come on, let's stay focused, and then out of nowhere, this kid on the other team gets hot. He's chucking up threes from all over the place. He hits three threes in a row. It is now, it is now 24-23. Sweaty. 
We hit a corner shot, 26-23, and then I gave the ball to my point guard, and he just dribbled around for the last 20 seconds, right? And I'm just going, run, kicker, run! For the love of Jesus in my heart, I wanted to win, right? And I'm just there for a second. But let me tell you what happened. These little guys who were down by 14, all of a sudden, got hope. All of a sudden, they started trash-talking, right? All of a sudden, it's like, we got you now. All of a sudden, there was this energy. So that's what hope does. Hope energizes. Hope strengthens. Hope gives resolve. Um, 20 years ago, back in May, a young couple came to see me that, that wanted to be married. And I discouraged it. Uh, they were in a situation, and they were very young. And I discouraged it. But they did everything I asked them to do in preparation for marriage. And so I agreed to marry them. Every year since then, they have sent me a reminder and a celebration of their marriage. This year was their 20th anniversary just a few months ago, and praise God, amen? There was hope, right? And there, and there still is hope. And, and, and that's, what, that's what strengthened their marriage. Yeah, there was discouraging voices. Yeah, there were things that maybe weren't, weren't exactly the way they needed to be, but guess what? They had hope in the love that God had given them. And hope is an important thing. You need to know what hope is. Do you know what hope is? Let me give you a definition of hope. Hope is the confident realization that there is good occurring and the confident expectation that good is going to come. So it's not, hope is not just a wish. Hope is not just something that you, that it's like, well, if this would happen, this would be great. No, no, no. Hope is more than that. Hope, hope is a, a confident realization that there is good occurring. It's happening now. It's already in process. But it's, it's already, but it's not fully yet. But it's going to be. And so there's this confident expectation that good is going to come. This is what, this is what hope is. And so understand that everyone in this room, you have some hope, some kind of hope. Even if you're not a believer today, you've got some kind of hope. And I want to encourage you to get hope in the right thing. Because it's very important. See, if you don't have the hope of God, then your hope is a dying hope. See, if your hope is in a created thing, it may be if it's in a relationship or a job or an income level, your looks... If it's in anything that is, that is time-based, it's a dying hope because sooner or later, every created thing dies. And, and you have an eternal soul. And so you need a, an eternal hope. You need what God gives us. You don't need a dying hope. Hear me. You need a living hope. Don't you love the name of our church, Living Hope? See, that's what God gives us. And, and that comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, our hope is living because our hope is the hope of God. And because God is life, and because God is life-giving, and because God lives forever, that He is he's omniscient, and He's all-powerful, and He's everlasting, then so is our hope. So in reality, the hope of God is our only hope. Think about what, what it says in Romans chapter 15. The hope of God is our only hope because, uh, because of who God is. May the God of hope, please understand, the God of the Bible is the God of hope. He's a God of many things, but He is a God of hope. And look what He does. He will fill you with all joy. Not some joy. All joy. Why? Because He's an almighty God. 
and this everlasting Father who is the Prince of Peace, who is the loving Counselor, Holy Spirit, this God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, when He is leading your life, there is nothing but joy because, because of His presence. And it's more than that, it's also peace. But notice where the peace comes from. And peace in believing. See, if, you, if you're not trusting and believing in God, you really can't have peace. Here's why. Because everything else will fail. People will fail you. Economies will fail you. Governments will fail you. Cars will fail you. Jobs will fail. Companies will fail. Friends will fail. There's only one who won't fail you, and that is God Almighty. And so you, your peace, the only way you can have peace is in believing. So that what happens, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And what's that, what that means is, because you're a child of God, filled with the Spirit of God, you're able to go to, into any circumstance, and in any and every circumstance, you have the confident realization that there is good occurring, and the confident expectation that good is going to come. Because you have hope. Our text today shows us really the principal parts, components of this hope, when, when, when God is our hope, when you're trusting in the hope of God. Four things I want you to get them down. Let's look at this text together and, and understand these. The first one is this. Our hope is the salvation of God. Our hope is the salvation of God. It says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Please understand, the salvation of God is Jesus Christ. Our hope is the salvation of God, and the salvation of God is Jesus Christ. He is the horn of salvation that has been raised up. This is our good news. This is our good news that God became flesh and He dwelt among us, that He lived this holy life, and then He took the punishment of our sin and died. And for all who believe in Him, rather than trusting in themselves to earn favor with God, rather to trust Christ atoning death for your sins, that He has been raised, that He's a living God, and you can trust Him, you will be saved. And this is the good news. This is the gospel. I believe 2 Corinthians 5.21 pictures this better than any other text in all the Bible, my opinion. But this is, to me, the gospel scripture in all of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, that is because He loves us, He made Him, that is Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, Holy God took on our sin. That's grace. That's mercy. Because He loves us, Holy God became sin. Who knew no sin? He was holy. And He took on our responsibility so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And He gave us His righteousness. Please understand that the gospel has a double cure. When we believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, we're believing first and foremost that we are incapable of earning favor with God, that we lost that with our sin, but that that penalty that, that we caused by our sin has been carried out in Christ. If you want to think about it in financial terms, we created a, a debt with our sin, and Jesus paid it all. But more than that, 
He not only took away. So, so many people think, oh yeah, salvation is just God taking away that debt of sin that I paid. More than that, friends, He also gave us the righteousness of Christ. Your account is not just paid for. It's not just at zero. You've been given the eternal holiness of God. You don't have a, an account that's in the negative. You have an account in the holiness of God that is of eternal value because of what Christ has done in you. He has not only paid the penalty, He has made you righteous with God. And that is salvation. Our hope is the salvation of God. And the salvation of God is Jesus Christ. But, but notice this, it's according to the promise. Our hope is the promise of God. Our hope is the promise of God. It is the salvation of God based upon the promise of God. It says again in verse 69, And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Understand, our hope is the promise of God, and the promise of God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the promise of God. From the very first day of the fall, God made a promise. And that promise came into focus in, in the life of Abraham. This, this Iraqian, this, this, uh, this, this one who was of the Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq, God called this man, Abraham, and look what he said to him in Genesis 12:3. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And look at this. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God said, He promised, I am going to bring a Savior who will crush the head of Satan. And then He calls this man, Abraham, from, from out of paganism, and says, Abraham, not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, because I've chosen you, I am going to, through you, bless the whole world through your family. So it goes from the whole world to Abraham. And then there's Isaac, and then there's his grandson. Jacob, whose name becomes Israel, and we read in, in, in Genesis 49, the blessing of Israel to his son Judah. Look what it says about Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So we have this funnel taking place. We have the world, then Abraham, then to Israel, to Judah, through the line of Judah, there will come a king, and he will reign forever and ever. And so we see through the line of Judah comes a king. The first king of Israel was from the line of Benjamin. That was not the promised reign. The promised reign was through Judah. So then David, he is made king. And it is through the line of David that the promise was given through the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel. Look at this, 2 Samuel 7, 16 and 17. And your house, speaking to David, and your kingdom shall be made for, for sure, made sure, look at this, forever before me. This is not a lifetime. This is an eternity. This is an eternal kingdom. Your throne shall be established forever. He makes sure we understand this is, this is long-lasting. It's eternal. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. From the world, to Abraham, to Israel, to Judah, to David. And so, when we look at our prophecy today in verse 69, and it has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, what do we see? We see the promise of God. Our hope is the promise of God. 
And the promise of God is Jesus Christ, born of the line of David, of the line of Israel, of the son of Abraham, according to the promise of God. Amen? Now listen, if God is able to keep that promise, what about all these other promises He's made to us as children? What's your favorite promise of God? Think about it for just a moment. What's your favorite? Do you know the scripture? Let me show you my favorite. Hebrews 13, 5. This is my favorite promise of God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But you know what? The Bible is filled with promises. The Bible is filled with the promises of God. But you know the only way you can know the promises of God is if you know the Word of God. So write this one down and understand. To understand the salvation of God and the promise of God, you got to know the Word of God. And our hope is the Word of God. It says again in verse 70, As... He spoke. God has spoken. He has spoken His Word through His prophets. And now what we have in this canon, in this closed Scripture, we have the Word of God. This is His truth. Now understand what the Word of God is. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. The salvation of God is Jesus Christ. The promise of God is Jesus Christ. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. What it says in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When Christ was born, ultimate truth became flesh and took a breath. And blood coursed through his veins. The truth became humanity. To stand in our place. To atone for our sin. To defeat the power and the punishment of sin. He defeated not only sin, but death and his resurrection. And so now we know the truth. Because the truth has been revealed. Hebrews chapter 1, look what it says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed, the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So He used to speak, yes, He's spoken through the prophets. He gave us His Word, but the Word has now become flesh, and now He speaks to us through His Son. To know Jesus is to know the truth. And the truth is the Word of God. Friends, there is nothing more important that any of us can do with the beginning of our day or sometime in our day to define our existence is to be alone with Jesus. And the way you spend time alone with Jesus is you spend time alone in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is Jesus Christ. What's your plan for studying the Word of God? If you don't have a plan, I can guarantee you, you're not going to get it done. Let me encourage you with two things. One, create a study plan just through the time of December. Just, just through Christmas, um, you, you can go and you can buy a cheap, you can find online, I guarantee you, a, a, a free resource that, that, that you could use for Advent. What's your plan for 2017? You've got a few weeks. Let me encourage you to think through how you're going to study the Word of God in 2017. Uh, this, this past year, I've been so blessed. I've read through uh, I'll have read through the scriptures again, and I will have read through five different devotions, and, and it has been such a blessing. Right now, I'm kind of planning out, okay, what am I going to do in 2017? 
be planning. What, how, if you don't have a plan, email me. Email me and I'll give you, I'll give you all kinds of plans. <laughs> More plans than you probably care to know. But there are so many great opportunities out there to study God's Word. Second thing I want to challenge you to do is not only to study God's Word, but to, but to have the Word of God taught to you regularly. In, in other words, be here for worship every Sunday and hear the Word of God preached. But also... Also, let me encourage you in 2017 to take at least one equipped class. We teach intensive Bible studies in equipped classes on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. I'll be teaching one on Sunday nights in the spring and the fall. And take at least one, not just for me. Our best teachers teach at these equipped classes. And what are we teaching? The Bible. We'll, we'll teach Old Testament, New Testament, specific books. We'll teach ways of studying, ways of thinking, the ways of living out Scripture. And so in 2017, go ahead and make the commitment now to be in an equipped class. Uh, another commitment that you need to make is to get in a connect group so you can discuss the Word of God. See, it's, it's not enough that you study it alone, and it's not enough that you learn it. The, the, one of the ways that the Word of God comes alive is in conversation. And, and right now, this is a one-way conversation. It's the way I like it, by the way. But I'm telling you, we need to be able to discuss back and forth what God is doing. So get in the connect group and meet regularly. And, and, and don't be like our group. But, you know, get regularly, right, and, and be a part of that. And then the last thing, let me give you one more challenge, and that is this. Share the Word of God this year. Not just give a Bible to someone, which is always a good idea for Christmas. But share your hope. Share three circles. Share what it is that Christ means to you. You can do that tonight. Bring someone with you. Say, I just want you to come and celebrate with us. You know, come and just be a part. Maybe next Sunday, come take a picture with me. Come and come and adore Him with me, even though you don't believe. Come and come and hear. Come and see. Come be a part. We need to understand the Word of God, and if we will do that, the salvation of God according to the promise of God, according to the Word of God, we'll understand the plan of God. Write it down. Our hope is the plan of God. Our hope is the plan of God. And the plan of God is Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 70. By the mouth of His holy prophets from of old. See, after the resurrection, Jesus had a couple of disciples who were struggling to understand, and they are on their way to Emmaus. And look what Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 24. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and things concerning himself. The plan of God has been revealed in the word of God, according to the promise of God to bring the salvation of God. And Jesus Christ is that hope. And he had to explain to them, listen, this is what God has called. And, and, and this plan, this plan of the universe... This plan for the world. Listen, if God can accomplish that plan, and He has, don't you know He can accomplish the plan for your life? And by the way, just as God has a plan for the world, He also has a plan for you. But you will never fulfill that plan unless you're pursuing and recovering God's design. You've got to understand, without the gospel, without repenting and believing in Christ, you're going to be in brokenness, and you're never going to understand the plan of God. Bad things are going to happen to you, and you're liable to get mad at God. I talked to a person this morning that was telling me that, that, they have, that they have a loved one that hasn't set foot in church and won't because something bad happened to them. Because in their brokenness, they can't understand how God is at work even through the worst of things. See, if you can trust in Christ and the gospel, you can pursue and recover God's design. And in pursuing and recovering God's design, there's two things that you'll discover happen to you. The first one is this. You'll understand that God is at work in you. 
Philippians 1, 6, of what it says. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Not only will he do a good work in you, he will do a good work through you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only will he do a good work in you, he'll do a good work through you. See, God, he's the ultimate coach. You know, we got a pretty good coach over there at Western Kentucky University. That coach, Brom, is pretty good. I should say the Conference USA champions, Western Kentucky University, I guess, right? That's right. There you go. It was good. You got a little nervous, though, didn't you? Because I did. Got a little close. Let me tell you what Coach Brom does. I love Coach Brom. Hope he stays. Jack Asher and I got to go over and do a devotion with the team a, a couple of weeks ago, and I got to watch him coach, and it was it was amazing. Let me tell you what he does. First of all, he draws players to himself. He draws players to himself, and then those players come, and then he begins to show him what they can be. And he shows them what they can be, and he begins to train them to conform to the image of what he sees and what he wants. And then he puts them in his system, within his team. And see, they can't see it. They just kind of see coaches on me, coaches telling me this. But what he can see is a broader picture of how each one of those players fit within this team to accomplish the purpose. And that's what God does with us. He draws us to himself to be a part of him. And then having redeemed us and made us a part of his team, he begins to conform us into the image of his son. He begins to work in us. And then he begins to work through us his perfect plan. Is there pain involved? Yes. Is it sometimes very, sometimes very hard? Yes. Where there'll be trials? Yes. But even that is according to the plan and the will of God. See, our faith is made strong through trials. James chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. What God is doing right now in your life and in mine is according to His plan, which is according to His word which is according to his promise, which is according to his salvation, because he is a great God, and that is our hope. Our hope is that there is good occurring and that there is good that is coming. And if you can have the confidence of that, you have hope. And if you don't have that hope today, you need to come and get on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, give me this hope. I, I'm, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of, I'm on my own. I feel so desperate. I want to give you my life. Please lead me. And some of you are as children and you're on his team. But maybe today you need to be reminded. You need to be encouraged. Maybe you need to recommit yourself to the team. And you need to say, Lord God, I, I want to experience you, even this Christmas season. And I need you to show up in a special way in a relationship or in a health concern. Whatever it is, come to God and ask Him to do it. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we have just a moment now to respond to the teaching of Your Word. And that response is so important because it will define the trajectory of how we walk out of here. And, and, and again, we don't have to come forward. Or we can sit in our seat. We can bow our heads. And some just like to come and, and get on their knees before You and, and ask You to intervene. Some for eternal salvation. I know today some need to come and, and ask you for forgiveness and, and to receive your righteousness that they might have a right standing. Others need to come and ask you for your blessing, ask you for your benefit, ask you for you to, to show up in a special way, in a powerful way, in a relationship or some other need. God, you know every single one of us and you know what's going on and you have a plan for it. Some of us, our, our faith is, is struggling. 
So would you now renew that faith as we as we sing praise and as we delight and some even come to pray for your provision? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.